Hey, this is Brian again with Mid City Vineyard Church. Mid City Vineyard is a community of faith in the community of Mid City, here to serve the Mid City community. And if you want to learn a little bit more about us, you can check us out on Facebook, Mid City Vineyard, Instagram at Mid City Vineyard, and online, midcityvineyard.org. We worship on Saturday nights at 6 o'clock at 4302 Canal, and we'd love to have you. Uh, whenever you're able to make it, everyone is always welcome. We conclude our series, Living Into Freedom, this week with our series uh, teaching title, Staying in Your Lane, Finding Freedom in Our Lives by Learning How to Lose Our Amazing Ability to Compare Ourselves to Others. So let's get on over to the podcast. Much peace to you. Okay, Philippians chapter 4. I'm glad in God, far happier than you would ever guess. Happy that you're again show happy that you're again showing such strong concern for me. Not that you ever quit praying and thinking about me. You just had no chance to show it. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, whatever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. I don't mean that your health didn't mean a lot to me, it did. It was a beautiful thing that you came alongside me in my troubles. So, thanks Mary. Tonight, we're going to finish this series that we've been in, uh, and we, we titled this series, Living Into Freedom. And really, the, the, the thought here has been, uh, and the, the, our teachings have been moving us in this direction of what does it really look like for you? What does it look like for me to feel and live freedom? We talked the first week about the fact that all in our life is, is grace. You know, it's the empowering presence of God in our lives that empowers us to be the things that God's called us to be, to do the things that God's called us to do. We talked about this idea in the second week about what it looks like to actually, truly accept ourselves. And the, that third week was about what it looks like to accept suffering and to accept difficult times in our lives. And then uh, last week, Wesley uh, did just a fantastic job uh, of teaching on what it looks like to accept others. Because when, when, we, when we boil it all down, the, the idea has been when we can live a life where we have nothing to gain, nothing to lose, and nothing to prove because we are secure, really secure in who we are in Christ, then it frees us in our hearts and in our souls to live more lightly, to live freely. And so to close it out tonight... I was thinking through one of these uh, other things that really keeps us oftentimes from living free. And it's, it's really this idea that when we, when we don't stay in our own lane, we find ourselves oftentimes uh, conflicted. We find ourselves uh, filled with anxiety. We oftentimes will feel, find ourselves uh, feeling, uh, woe is me, potentially depressed. When we don't stay in our own lane. And I would, I would say when we don't, when we find ourselves discontent. Because contentment 
is one of these things or lack of contentment will steal your joy. It will steal happiness. It will steal life and it will steal freedom from you. Discontentment. I actually read somewhere today that discontentment or comparisons with others, so to speak, uh, leads to death. It's just this thing. It's this endless uh, cycle. It's this endless road that leads us nowhere good. This understanding of comparing ourselves to others all the time. We're being discontent with our plot in life. So here's what I thought we would do to kick this thing off. Oh, I forgot. Hey, Lucas, come help me real quick. Come on. And Ryan, you can help me too. Uh, everybody needs one of these because we actually have a discontent or a, what do I call it? A contentment assessment on your outline tonight. So you're going to get an outline and there are 10 questions that we're going to start with a contentment assessment. If you have a pen, pull it out. Uh, if you need a pen, ask your neighbor. Now you're not going to share these answers with anyone. Let me know when you, yeah. Hey, while these are being passed out, let's do this real quick. Wait, where, where my, hey, let's do this. Uh, Rachel, we need that selfie, don't we? We need, a, we need a church selfie. Because Christy's not here tonight, and I was told that... I'm not going to... Oh, I can... What? Uh, we'll, we'll do that later. Okay, come here, Mikey. You need to be in the picture. Oh, we are. Yeah, we're all going to fit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because Ray, uh, Rachel's here tonight, and Sierra, who lives in... Uh, some other state now is here. <laughs> okay. Everybody. Oh, wait. We should. Yeah. One, two, three. Oh, I wasn't in it. You need a selfie stick. I know. Okay. You guys are all in it, so it's good. Okay. Everybody have one? Everybody have one? Uh, an outline? All right. Number one. True or false? I am happy at my job. No, don't call your answers out loud. Nobody do that, because then everybody else feels awkward. <laughs> Number two, I love my life. Don't make groans. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, I continually find myself wishing that I had more money. Number four, I cannot wait to get out of my current situation so that I can enjoy the next phase of my life. Hey, do we have any more of those? Do you care handle one of those? Number five, I complain a lot. Number six, I often feel jealous of what others have or get to do. True or false? Number seven, I am satisfied with my current relationship status. If you are married, sitting next to your spouse, but true. <laughs> you don't have to share your answers, but if you're sitting next to each other, right? <laughs> Number eight. People around me would probably say that I complain a lot. Number nine. I am a grass is greener on the other side kind of person. And number 10, I sense that I am exactly where God has and wants me in life right now. All right, so 
you can learn a lot from this very simple little contentment assessment. I suspect that uh, none of us are, I suspect, that could be wrong, I suspect that none of us are completely content, and some of us might be way more content than others. But if you find yourself way on the, the discontent uh, side, and, you know, I'll help you with that. Um, well, no, you, you, can, you, you understand what that is. So, now let me, let me say this before we jump in here. Sometimes we are justified in our lack of contentment. So, for instance, if you work at a job where you are being sexually harassed, <laughs> yes, you will more than likely uh, lack contentment with your job. And you, hopefully, to some degree, have some level of control over that. And I would encourage you to make moves away from that, uh, that toxic situation. But for the most part, what we're looking at tonight are those things that we, we might not so much have a lot of control over when it comes to experiencing uh, contentment or discontentment in our life. So, for instance, you know, the Smiths just bought a brand new house, uh, and I can't afford my dream house right now. Well, oftentimes, that type of comparison, that type of thing leads us to some form of discontentment, but we have great control over that, over whether or not we're going to still be content in our current situation or not. But there are a couple of things about contentment that I, I want to make clear here. First off, contentment is not uh, complacency. That's not what we're talking about. Contentment is not apathy, where, oh, uh, you know, I guess this is just how it is. Contentment is not laziness. Remember, a couple of weeks ago, and if you weren't here and you want to listen to it, I think it was the first week, all is grace. We talked about this idea, uh, that, and when, when situations come your way, you can rebel against those situations, you can resign yourself to those situations, or you can move towards consenting in attitude and spirit and soul with those situations in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. And so contentment, ultimately, in our lives, it comes down to an attitude. It comes down to an attitude of the heart. It comes down to the fact that our circumstances do not have to determine our attitude. Now, we hear this all the time. You know, we teach, if you have children, you teach your children this. Listen, the situation doesn't have to determine your attitude. And yet, it's the kind of thing where most of, most of us, even as adults, we have to continually remind ourselves of this. Wait, there is still, you know, life is more than just my current circumstances. My well-being and my happiness can be and should be independent from my circumstances. So we go back to Philippians chapter 4, where Paul says, listen, I have need for nothing. That's interesting, because more than likely, Paul wrote this while he was in prison. <laughs> I have need for nothing. I have learned to be content in all things. It's interesting that Paul didn't say, I am content in all things. What did he say? I have learned to be content in all things. When I have a little, I've learned to be content. When I have a lot, I've learned to be content. When I'm hungry, I've learned to be content. When I am well fed, I've learned to be content. When my ship is sailing on the sea, I've learned to be content. And Paul, who literally had been shipwrecked, when my ship has crashed and I'm floating about on the wreckage, I've learned to be content. Learned to be content. And when we 
can move into this space of actually learning contentment. Understanding that our situation and our circumstances do not have to determine our attitude. Do not have to determine our outlook on life. There is something to be learned here. And what does Paul say? I've learned to be content for I can do. This is the same place where it is. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, Philippians 4.13 is one of those amazing twisted texts that we have in the scripture where people uh, love to use it. You know, like, uh, oh, I've got this, this uh, test here uh, in college. Uh, I've got this, this trigonometry test, and I didn't study. Uh, but I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. You know, I, I, can, I can get an A because, you know, that's just that's how Christ does things. It's like a, he's like a little um, like a magic Jesus who pulls giant cosmic rabbits out of his cosmic hat. Or, uh, you know, um, you, can, you can think of the, any example. You know, uh, this conflict at work, uh, I lied. Uh, about this thing to my boss, and now I have a meeting. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You're going to need Christ to strengthen you. Uh, but that's not the context of this particular passage. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, listen, I've learned to be content in life, in all these situations. And I can do this because Christ is the one who teaches me. Christ is the one who strengthens me. Christ is the one who comes alongside me. And, and, and I cooperate with the Holy Spirit, and I can move and ebb and flow in this attitude. When it comes to learning to be content, I, I think there are a couple of things that actually, how does the learning process happen? I would say to you, the first thing would be to recognize your discontent. Recognize where you're not experiencing contentment. And I know, you know, I... I know in my life, when I sit down to evaluate, and here's the thing about it, it takes honest evaluation. Now, for some of us, if we were like, if number one, I love my job, and we were like, false, I hate my job, very true, I really hate my job, true, 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 true. Okay, now, th that doesn't take a, a, a super deep evaluation <laughs> process. You, you know where you're lacking contentment. Okay. Now, remember, we're not talking about complacency so, or resigning yourself. Okay, it's, it's, the, it's the worst job ever, and so I'm just stuck. No, maybe the Spirit leads you in ways, of, and there are things that the Spirit's going to do to bring you to a place where either your attitude towards your job will change, or maybe the Spirit will, will bring about ways that you can find yourself a different job. But regardless, tomorrow, on Monday morning, you're going back to that job, more than likely. Does that, having to go back to that job on Monday morning, does that have the authority in your life to control your attitude, to determine whether you're content, you're happy, you're, you're, you're emotionally stable. Does it have that kind of power over you? Do we give it that kind of power? Or is Christ working for something different in that situation? The first thing we do is we recognize. We recognize where we lack contentment, and I would say we go so far as to confess it. We confess it to the divine. We confess, hey, I lack contentment in this area. And, and, to, to be in a place of discontentment. Remember how we use the word sin here at Mid-City Vineyard. I mean, sin is ultimately what? It's the disruption of shalom in your life. It's, it's anything in our life that disconnects us from the divine, that disconnects us from God, that kind of gets us sideways and, and causes peace and mercy and love and kindness and goodness to, to, to move uh, out of our life and causes us to move in, in uh, negative pathways and patterns. Ultimately, sin is the disruption of shalom. So I would say that discontentment is, in, in a way, it's, a, it's sin in that it disrupts the peace 
in our life. It steals freedom from us. Can you, you see what I'm saying there? And, and so, so we confess that back to God and say, you know what, I think I, think I see where, where I'm off base on this, where uh, there's a disruption of peace, there's a disruption of shalom. I confess this to God, and I invite you, God, into this space and into this place. It takes honest evaluation because maybe... You're not content about your finances. And yet, at the same time, your needs are currently met. You're not content about your finances. Your needs are met. So maybe it it demands a conversation with the Holy Spirit. What's going on here? Because the Holy Spirit will sometimes reveal things. Like maybe there's some form of greed that's going on here. It's this idea of get, 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 grab, 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 get as much as you can. Maybe there's, maybe there's something of, of what, what um, I've often heard referred to as a, a spirit of poverty, which is kind of this, it's this uh, I, th- I guess that's a religious way of saying there's this idea, or maybe you grew up in a way where money was always an issue, and even though your needs are currently met, there's something deep within you that's always scared that there won't be enough, and so you're always trying to, to manipulate the situation or figure out the situation, but your needs are being met, and let, so you're discontent, because of your financial situation, and what does it do? It's robbing you. It's stealing you of freedom. Or it's robbing you of freedom. It's stealing that from you. So I would suggest that the first thing we do is we recognize. We, we cooperate with God on this. The second thing that we, we, we do is we refocus. We refocus. One of the biggest reasons that we lack contentment in our lives is because we forget what we are doing in life and we get consumed with the wrong things. I'm convinced of this. One of my favorite stories in the scripture, where did John chapter 21. If you have a Bible, open it up. If you want a Bible and you don't have one, you can take one with you. They're up here on the piano. If you have a phone and you have the app on your phone, uh, jump over to John chapter 21. And we're going to go to the very end. Verse 18. And Jesus says to Peter, he says, Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, take care of people. Peter, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you're going to stretch out your hands and someone else is going to dress you and they're going to lead you to a place that you don't want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then Jesus said to Peter, so Peter... Follow me. Follow me. Take care of my people and know that one day you're, you're going to actually, you're, you're going to be a martyr for me. And in this time, live for me. Follow me. And it says that Peter turned around and he saw the disciple John. And he said, well, Lord Jesus, what about him? And Jesus says, well, what about him? I mean, if I want him to live or to remain alive until I return. What is that to you, Peter? I want you to follow me. (laughs) If Peter is not me, or if I am not Peter, Brian, here's what what I'm I'm asking of you. Here's what I'm I'm calling you to. Here's what I I, I would like from you today. Okay, cool, but what about about him? How come, how come he gets to do that? Or how come he gets to go there? Or how come, I mean, I thank you, God, you know, that you've given me something to do. You've given my life some purpose. You've kind of 
given me some focus here, and I appreciate that. I really do. But how come I, didn't, I don't get to do the same thing Charita gets to do? Because her gig seems better to me. Oh, and at the same time, I'm really thankful, God, that you didn't give me Ryan's gig because it seems a lot worse to me. So thanks for that. But I still want Sarita's. This is what I'm talking about, staying in your own lane. Because here's the thing. When we come to this place where we, we, we're so connected with the Holy Spirit that we're able to wake up and we're able to say every day, okay, Spirit of God, what, what do you have today? What are you doing today? I know that my life has meaning. I know that my life has purpose. I know that there's a, a trajectory here. What are we doing today? Maybe it even works this way at work. Maybe you are stuck in a dead-end job, but you're stuck right now. So the conversation might be, Spirit of God, what does it look like today? What does it look like today in this situation with these people? What is my role? What are you doing? What is my role with what you're doing? It's a refocusing. It's receiving direction from God and from God alone. Because when I start worrying about what Eric's doing, and when I start worrying about what Mike's doing and what Phil's doing, and then I get sidetracked, all of a sudden I've lost focus on what God is doing with and through and around me. And I lose, I'm discontent. And if there was ever a thing in my life that stole my freedom, I want to, I'll admit to you, it's this one right here. It's comparing myself to other people. And then for the longest time I thought, if I could just get away from those people and not know what they're doing, then I'll be okay. Do you realize that I did get away from those people and I found new people (laughs) who have more and who do different things because I didn't deal with the issue of my own attitude and my own heart. I just found new people who God seemed to love more. Right? That's what, it, that's, what, that's what we, you know. But when we focus on what God has for us and what God's moving us to and calling us to do, it moves us to a place of trust, deeper trust. Okay, this is, this is what the Spirit of God's doing. Trust. I move towards trust in the things of God. I love it. Jesus says, what about him? I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to him right now. This comes to life in my home. I, I try not to use my kids too often in these examples. Micah, can I? Thank you. So, but, but, you know, but dad, that's not what he had to do. Yes, but he's not even in the room. I'm not talking to him, am I? Do you see him anywhere? Did you ever hear me call his name? That's because this isn't for him. This is for you. And I sense the Spirit of God say that to me all the time. Do you see her in the room? No. That's because I'm not talking to her right now. I'm talking to you. What about him? Lord, I need more money like her. No, you don't. What you need is to be faithful to what I've asked of you right now. Yes, but I need a spouse like he has. No, you don't. What I need is for you to be faithful to what I have you doing right now. Yes, but what I need is a different job. No, you don't. What I need is for you to be faithful to the things that I have you doing right here and right now. Okay, but I want a different job. Yes, you do. And you know what? Keep being faithful, and we're going to keep going down this road together. Because I think that the Spirit of God loves to, you know, put us and move us, and and yet through it all, teach us, teach us, teach us, teach us, teach us. 
The other part of being content, and I just, I say this to all of us in the room, but learning to be content is learning to be present where you are. There might not be very many things that drive me uh, more crazy in pastoring than trying to help people learn to be where they are and slow down from trying to be where they're not. For instance, like the, the, the new dating couple who's been dating for six weeks and yet they try to act like they've been dating for six years. Oh my gosh. Or the, the couple who just got married, they're literally, they're literally on their honeymoon and all they can think is about the next thing they have to do. You know, because society tells them, well, now you're married, so now you have to buy a house. They don't have money to buy a house, but that's what they have to do because society tells them. And so they come to me and they're like, we, you know, we need you to pray with us. We need wisdom on how to, how to get this house. Well, do you have any money? No. No, you don't need wisdom. You need jobs that, that pay, and then you need a bank account, and you need to save money. Like, you don't need, or if you do, that was your wisdom. I mean, but it's just trying to not be where we are. It's always trying to, to be ahead of where we are. And contentment comes in being present where we are, to be present in the moment. And then the final thing that I would say to us is we recognize, we refocus, and then we actually, literally learn. Listen, these are not just, this is not just a little checklist that I want you to, oh, you gave me three R's, that's amazing. Uh, uh, recognize, refocus, and remain. No, like, Actually do them. Recognize. Get back to the Holy Spirit. Refocus. And do, indeed, remain. And this is the one that will take you through the rest of your life right here. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Paul writes this. He says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Christ, rooted in Christ, built up in Christ, strengthened in the faith that you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Do you understand that when we come to Christ, when we begin to follow Christ, that it is, it is no longer we who live, but it is Christ who lives in us. And Paul tells us over and over again that it's Christ now who lives in you, and it's you who is rooted, who is grounded, who is, your foundation is in Christ. To be in Christ is literally that every moment of every day, every situation, every conversation, that we are continually being reminding ourselves through the Spirit that we are in Christ. This next conversation, may I be a light of Christ. May I be the light of Christ in this conversation. This next meeting, may I experience and be the light of Christ in this next meeting. This next, uh, this next exam, may I experience Christ in this. This next conflict, may I experience Christ in this. May I remain in Christ. You know where Paul tells us later to pray continually? Pray, but I really don't think that Paul is saying all day long, everywhere you go, just be like, Lord, and please do this, and Lord, and please do this, and God, please do this, and Jesus, would you do this? Holy Spirit, please do this. And that's not praying continually. To pray continually is to reach a place in our lives where we are constantly cognizant of the presence of the divine with us in all things at all times. Because we are in Christ, and we're always just in this place of Spirit of God, what are you doing right here, right now? Holy Spirit, I'm sitting at this table, and the waitress or the waiter just, just somehow we got into this conversation, and they poured out their heart to me about this situation in their life. Spirit of God, what are you doing in this situation? 
Spirit of God, this situation with, with my friend at work, what are you doing in this situation? This conflict that I'm having with my own child, what are you doing in this situation? We remain in Christ in these things. And what we will find, and I guarantee this, <laughs> that we will begin, the more we find contentment, the more we will find freedom in our lives. We will, we will literally begin to feel weights coming off of us. We will literally begin to feel chains kind of falling off of our souls because we're not so concerned with what we have or what we don't have because it moves us to a place of greater trust that God is in charge, that God has, uh, that God has given us purpose, that God is caring for us, that God is engaged in life with us. And when we begin to live this way, we have nothing to gain, we have nothing to lose, we have nothing to prove, and we are free to live content. Going back to the last couple of weeks, we're free to begin to accept ourselves because Christ accepts us. We're free to begin to accept even the difficult situations in our lives and the suffering because we know that Christ, all His grace and Christ is with us. We've begun to come to a place where even though we don't like certain people, we can begin to accept people. And when we accept others, we begin to experience more freedom in our lives. Amen.